Hey, welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I'm Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Lori Cordles, parent of three in two different life stages. Two are launched and one is in high school, and I am a parenting educator. And today we are continuing our conversation on temperament and child development milestones. Um, we are all the way up to adolescents, preteens, teens, those yeah. ages. Uh, how did we get here so fast? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But here we are. And this season, what we've been doing is taking a look at the different ages of children and the stages and milestones that they go through, kind of like we did in season three or in season five, right? Three yeah. And five. Yes. Three and five. <laughs> three and five. And then taking season three temperament and mashing it all together and specifically talking about what do our temperament traits look like in teens and preteens or in infants and toddlers. So I've enjoyed this season. Um, I like taking a deeper dive in both of those areas at one time. Oh, yeah, it is. It's fun. And so, yeah, we get to look at these different temperament traits and how we see them play out with our preteens and teens. So before we dig into that, of course, I got to tell you, give us the reminder that parenting is a bi-directional process, which every parenting textbook, I think, has told me that I've ever looked at. But in particular, talking about Dr. Diana Lang's book, Parenting and Families in Diverse Contexts. And so uh, thinking about that, we influence our kids but we also know that our kids influence us, their temperament, their health status, their gender, their birth order, all of these different things that are unique about our, each, of our, each of our children. They also influence how we parent. So it's not as simple as I'm a parent, I do unto you. Right? <laughs> it's not always that. No, no. It's a temperament. Yeah, temperament's a big influence in, that influences us as parents. It is, absolutely. And so a reminder about what temperament is. Uh, we talked about this last time as it is our factory settings, right? It's that, that thing on our phone we do uh, to get everything back to ground zero, right? Mm -hmm. It is our natural tendencies. The, the way we can predict our children's behavior is based on what we gave them genetically. Um, I love uh, Mary Shidi Krasinka. She talks about this as a way to predict and provide ourselves opportunities to learn how to manage our responses and our children's responses. So oh, yeah, yeah. genes are the template and the environment and the people around us kind of give us those opportunities to learn and grow. Yes. And I will forever love that, like the factory settings word picture of like temperaments there. It's in the background. We yes. build on it. We right. We build skills. The environment influences us. Right. If people have like trauma, all these different layers that out on top of our temperament. But it's there in the background, those patterns of behavior and interaction. It is. It is. Yes. And really, it's that idea of patterns and predictability. Yes. Do, does that mean that we just succumb to them? No, like we, <laughs> we know the pattern, we, it's predictable. So how can we learn and grow and move on from it? So yes, specifically this week, how can we learn and grow as we look at adolescents and teens? And, yes. so, and so, yeah, what age defines that for us, right? We got to start there. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. I will almost skip right by that. But the age <laughs> we're looking at is going to be that that preteen all the way through teens years. So it's like 12 to 17 in there. And I, I know it's a big age span, but um, that's that's how we're going to do it because there's so much conversation that we can have during these years. That's why we're bringing them all together. But the CDC, the CDC milestone tracker is what we've been utilizing as we look at milestones. And it talks about that this is a time period of a lot of different physical, mental, and emotional, as well as social changes. So, of course, we know that humor, hormones and puberty happen during this time. And so on top of those physical and mental and emotional changes, we do have this hormonal change. And boys, and, boys might grow facial hair. Girls and boys might grow pubic hair. Boys' voices will deepen. Um, additionally, girls might grow breasts and start their period, and they might face some different types of peer pressure when it comes to how these changes make them look. Oh, absolutely. Well, and we know, you know, in addition, there's a lot of physical changes that happen here as their bodies change kind of towards adulthood. But yeah, all of the situations that brings with it, because <laughs> there's so much physical change that can be self-conscious about how they appear to others, about how they interact. So you're so right that peer pressure, you know, to do things like drink alcohol, use tobacco products, drugs, you know, or even risky sexual behavior can really be a part of the challenges that teens face, um, you know, and preteens too. Mm -hmm. Other things, because again, of this time period and development they're in, they can be at risk for things like depression or eating orders, mm -hmm. um, eating disorders, or, um, you know, that family, family issues can be a part of this because as they strive for their independence, mm -hmm. it can create conflict, new kinds of conflict for us between our parents and our teens and preteens. Um, we do also know that, right, that independence, the making their own choices, what clothing they wear, what music they listen to, what food they eat, all of those things, they start to get a lot more independence and want more choice over mm -hmm. those kind of things that per pertain to them personally. They and do. So, they do. Yeah, yeah they're going to spend more time with their friends. And this is like one of my favorite things of research that I love to reassure parents with that. Okay, yes, teens, the importance of their friends increases in their life. That does not mean the importance of their parents decrease, right? No. Parents stay solid. They've been a solid relationship, hopefully. And friends increase, but it doesn't make parents any less important. They still stay very important. And kids really come to their parents in those difficult times, even through the teenage years. Absolutely. They still do. And all of that independence is really a way that they are working on that idea of who am I? What is my identity? And as we look at the teen and, and adolescent years, that's kind of that whole milestone that they're really working on. Yeah. So that independence tied into this independence will help me create who I am as a person. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think that that is so important for parents to remember that idea is constantly in the back of their mind. Who am I in this world? And yes. who do I want to be as a person? Yes. And that separation of, you know, when they're little kids and that parents values are just basically automatically kids mm -hmm. values that distinction of teens and preteens starting to separate out a little bit can be hard for parents, Absolutely. right? It can feel like a rebellion, but really it's a matter of them finding themselves. Mm -hmm. um, not a matter of them thinking you're stupid though. At times they may express that sentiment, <laughs> yes. um, 
but it's really a matter of them trying to figure out who am I separate from my parents, right? Mm -hmm. Because as they, even though they might be 14, as they move into 20, 24, 34, yada, yada, they'll be their own person separate from you. And they're, they got to figure out what those values that they have are. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that that kind of rolls right into the piece that Dr. Lang reminds us about Thomas and Chess's research. And they're the temperament gurus that we follow. And they really talk a lot about goodness of fit. And so that idea of goodness of fit is the adult caregiver, the parent, um, the adult and the child's life. How can they begin to adjust and adapt to that child's natural factory setting, right? And mm -hmm. begin to have a good fit with that factory setting, helping the child learn about their temperament, helping parents learn about their own temperament and, and the way that those two temperaments come together um, in sort of like a dance, right? And yeah. so if we can adapt and adjust to those two temperaments coming together, um, that's what Thomas and Chess call a good fit. And that's what we work and strive for. Uh, as I think about that, I really love the idea of, of thinking about temperament and teens as this opportunity to finally have this really great open conversation about why yes. they do what they do. Yes. 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 yes that those tendencies that you've spent the first 12 years of their life noticing mm -hmm. in their temperament, or if you're just getting on board now, awesome. You still see those patterns play out out 15. Yes. Uh, but that, yeah, you get to use that to help them understand themselves mm -hmm. a little more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So yes. should we pull together the nine traits? Yes. Well, and I, I do want to add one thought, actually, an aha that I had this weekend. I was listening to an audiobook, and a part of it, um, a very good audiobook. I was very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a part of it was this like mother daughter relationship. And it talked about going from like a little girl into the teen years or whatever. And seeing a part of it was a reflection of that mother as when she had been a teen and how similar they were. And I couldn't help but think like, you both have a spirit advice, you temperament. Uh -huh. Like you're both like clashing on your persistence or whatever it might be. Uh, but I thought, you know, thinking about knowing we'd be getting ready to have this conversation around teens and temperament. I just thought the insight that would be able to offer in that those characters, but it mm -hmm. does give us as parents to, Temperament is an insight when it feels like, what is going on with our teen? You know, yes. so often that's the question. Parents are like, ah, they're a totally different person. And it's like, temperament is going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the factory settings. You're still going to understand your kid. Um, that gives you that insight. So, yeah, I'm excited to walk through these traits and talk about that insight. It does. All right. So we, we will lump some of them together because mm -hmm. of this stage of being able to share with our kids about their temperament. So where we, you know, really separated them out before as children have grown, we're going to kind of lump some together because they really mesh and blend, um, particularly in these teen years. Yes. So let's start with that activity level. That's the one we like to kind of kick off with. Um, and so thinking about, remember with the temperament trait, everybody gets it. It's mm -hmm. a question of, did they get a little or did they get a, a lot or are they somewhere in the middle? And so we tend to talk about those extremes of a little or a lot. And so with a teen that is less active, they're probably more apt to kind of 
take those breaks to slow down, to enjoy those periods of rest, right? A little more chill in terms of how much movement they have versus your more active team that wants to always be on the go, wants to be out and about and those things. But I always like to give the caveat. I have a low activity level and I was a four sport athlete. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of that kids that have a low activity level won't be involved in things or won't do those, you know, won't be active, but it can be different in terms of what feels natural for their body. Right. After that big movement, do they feel invigorated, ready to go after that big movement? Do they feel ready for some rest? Exactly. And so that can give you that insight that, yeah, more active kids may enjoy the hop, hop, hop from different activities, but less active kids can too. It just be the breaks might be mm-hmm. a little different. <laughs> exactly. And, and I love that, that hot pop pop idea in the, in my, in my head, I'm thinking, looking at my own children who have different activity levels. Yeah. How did they recharge? You know, mm-hmm. the one child with lower activity level recharged, sitting quietly, the, the next child, she recharged by taking a slower paced walk or a different, yeah. you know, she just was still active, but it was a different type of recharge. Super weird. Yeah. Okay. So I'll take the next two. Um, and the next two we are going to put together. So that approach withdrawal, so that that response to the very first initial reaction to something new and adaptability. So then how long does it take uh, to make that adaptation? And as we look at teens and again, their independence and identity, thinking about uh, involving themselves with other friend groups in new activities uh, it's the beginning of the school year, possibly at some point in time, right? And and mm-hmm. and new classes, new teachers, uh, and especially with teens this age, it's important to really talk to them about their approach withdrawal or their activity level because as they're in their friend groups, they might be driving their friends crazy. Or they might be really irritating their friends or their friends might really be irritating them, right? So yes. if if you are a less um, approach, if you're a withdrawing or a less approaching teen, you might not be interested in uh, going to the brand new restaurant that just opened. You might not be interested in um, having new friends join your friend group. And that might be irritating to your friends or vice versa. They could be irritated by you, right? And the You're same always with inviting that, people, right? <laughs> Stop inviting people into our friend group. And, and adaptability says, you know, you that adaptable teen, less adaptable teen, that might just take them longer to be comfortable with those ideas. And so I just want to say that the less adaptable, less with less approaching teen, um, get my words. I'm having a little word trouble today. (laughs) You know, they're actually not going to be a child who's typically a high risk taker Mm. versus the approaching teen and the adaptable teen, right? This is your spontaneous kid who's saying, Hey, this looks like fun. This looks um, like something I should do. They might be constantly searching TikTok for things that they want to try. Uh, and so recognizing and helping your teen recognizing, recognize if they are adaptable and approaching, we might need to help them think through the entire scenario so that they understand what are the consequences if I you know, do this high risk activity and something happens. 
So those highly adaptable, um, approachable teens, they may not put all the puzzle pieces together and think about the consequence at the end. Okay. Yes. They might, they won't heed caution automatically. Right. <laughs> right. That might be a skill that they have to be taught mm -hmm. versus the other child who is a planner. They mm -hmm. look at all the puzzle pieces before they start to put the picture together. So you've got the risk taker and the planner. Yes. Yes. All right. And then two more are intensity and sensitivity. Now, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know I love intensity. <laughs> I am very intense. <laughs> so an intense teen or preteen, honestly, I think of you're going to notice the hormone surges mm -hmm. in an intense teen or preteen. You're going to notice that mood and how it can shift because with an intense person, it's on their sleeves. It is expressed. It is felt strongly. It is those things. I think of the door slamming. Yes. Um, which for yes. some parents is really like a, mm, the trigger yeah yeah yes um and so that will probably be your more intense teen versus your less intense teen might be the one where you're like i think something's up but i like don't know what's going on mm -hmm. um you know or yeah you don't automatically like i don't know they seem a little off but it's a subtle right mm -hmm. it's harder to pick up on because it's not as expressed as strongly um or it can be the child that seems like um unruffled that's the word that i want yes like, oh like okay like that's not that big of a deal yes <laughs> the unruffled teen versus uh when we think about sensitivity that's a little different often on our podcast we talk about it in terms of the sensory sensitivity like with your five senses but we also want to think about that emotional sensitivity that's also a part of temperament and so thinking about how sensitive your child is to things like feeling left out Mm -hmm. right? Do you have a child that, that feels that really intensely and strongly in their heart that that yes. just breaks them up? Or are they kind of like, well, you know, maybe they're missing out on the cues their friends are giving them. Like, no, I think maybe your friends are trying to say this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're maybe not catching the subtle as much um, as someone who is more sensitive. Yes. Yes. And again, being able to help identify for them, Yes. Ooh, the, the temperament traits and where they fall on the continuum, super important. So then mm -hmm. I'm going to add on distractibility and persistence. And it again, <laughs> it does, right? It, it, and again, thinking about the, building their identity, right? Who am I in this world? Distractible kids, persistent kids, less distractible, less persistent. Think about homework. Think about mm -hmm. task completion, chores. Chores. Um, right? Sports teams, expectations from teachers and coaches, that less distractible child happens to maybe also be persistent. They are zeroed in, locked in, focused. They're going to debate with you, argue with you, <laughs> stick to their position and yes. um, idea, right? And so as we think about that and creating identity, who am I with my friends? you know, they might find that they get into more arguments with their friends or their friend argues more with them. And you can talk with them about, you know, persistence and non-distractable thought thinking. And I love what you talk about when you talk about your daughter and, and how, how can we have flexible thinking? <laughs> if we are persistent and not distractible, how can we have, you know, more flexible thinking? And we were chatting earlier and you were sharing an example about, 
um, talking through, well, it's just a different way to think. It's not wrong. (laughs) And how many times I can think of my persistent, not distractible daughter saying, that is not right. What my friend said is not right. And, And I have to think, okay, well, they're just thinking differently from you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's hard because they're again, they're working on identity. So the child who is distractible and not persistent, you know, that might also be an issue in their friend group because that that child, you know, maybe never completes their tasks or they have a group project at school and that Mm. person inevitably doesn't complete their section. And oh, the number of times I can hear my own daughter say, that person didn't do their part of the project. And that's not (laughs) fair. Yeah, I mean, it's temperament, right? And so being Mm -hmm. able to talk with her about the different temperaments and how she can acknowledge, recognize, um, she can't change theirs, but she can manage her own. Oh, absolutely. And I love, I love that distractibility and persistence pairing because yeah, sometimes you get a little of both or a lot of both, mm-hmm. but then there's also like the half and half, right? So exactly. like highly distractible, low persistence. Okay. Maybe they don't complete a task very easily or they're high persistence, right? And so it's mm-hmm. just like, it's interesting how they play yes. out and mismatch those two. Yes. Uh, and that does bring us to our last two, which we, we do. We tend to wrap up with these two of uh, regularity and mood. And I think maybe it's because they just hang out in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I think regularity and mood just kind of like, oh, they're hanging out. Uh-huh. Um, so in our teens, as we think about regularity, that's kind of that eat, sleep, poop. That's what we used to say when they're babies. Still yeah. true. Still into true. Teens <laughs> and into adulthood, honestly. Still true. <laughs> right. Do you have one that's a little more all over the map? versus a like clockwork this Mm. could be your kid who you're like hey yes it is fun i know your friends are starting to stay out late more you are a kid who struggles if you don't get enough sleep yes right and sometimes for a regular um adult even i have friends that are like okay yeah i'd like to hang out but like i have to go to bed like Mm -hmm. like i have to (laughs) because they're regular their body's tired yeah you know versus that all over the map of like oh i could stay and hang out oh well i'll maybe be a little tired but maybe i'll Mm -hmm. bounce back they just it's all over the map you just can't be sure so i have a super fun story from this weekend and and it's interesting because my daughter has grown up with temperament, right? So she knows oh, yeah. she's very irregular. We planned for this, but she recognized how her irregularity had kind of caught up with her. She's had a mm. series of very, very busy three weeks, right? And so at, at one point in the weekend, um, and she had some friends say, hey, let's have a sleepover. Let's all get together. And she said, yes. A couple hours later, she told them, you know what? this isn't going to work. I actually, I actually need some sleep tonight and I'm going to, I'm going to pull back on my invite for y'all to sleep over. And I mean, I was literally, I was speechless. So proud of her for recognizing that her, you know, irregular temperament has been on let's go, 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 go. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's like, you know what? I, I need, I need to, take some time. Super proud that she could recognize that in herself. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I got to ask, would you say this child is sensitive or less sensitive? Um, she actually, but yeah, she's less, I would say she's less sensitive. And so it was okay 
you know, she, she was okay with whatever their response was Yeah, <laughs> where, where yeah. I can see, you know, if she had been more sensitive, she might have done it anyway. Cause she didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yes. Yes. Well, and I'm also thinking in terms of like, I, as someone who is also less sensitive and irregular, mm -hmm. the, I'm not quick to get in tune with my body's cues of like, so I would say yes. And then later oh, my body, I'm like, Oh, I'm realizing how tired I am. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's like, I wasn't paying close enough attention because I'm not sensitive to those things in my body. <laughs> so yes. I was like, if she's a little less sensitive, I could see how that tiredness was sneaking by her. Until oh, it's totally. like, oh, I'm tired. I got to sleep. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. Super proud uh, that she was brave enough to say, yes. you know what? I know I invited y'all to stay over, but y'all are staying home. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, you can't come. I must. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, and then our last one is mood. And so, you know, we do think about the nature of teens is moodiness, right? Yes. There's hormones. There's a lot of angst, right? Frustration. Because mm -hmm. it is, it's hard to figure out who you are. It's hard to navigate these relationships and have so much change happening around you during this very formative part of your life. And so we know that, you know, with that higher mood tend to be more chipper and cheery. And so in teens, when there's a negative mood, it can really kind of compound and not that it's a bad trait, right? That doesn't make negative or low mood a bad trait, but one specific challenge can be that moodiness mixing with that more serious or somber perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people might say pessimistic when they're talking about low mood. And so that can really kind of create a little whirlwind of just difficult emotions for parents to help their teens manage. And so being prepared for that child that is a little more serious, that mm -hmm. you might need to help them, help coach them through some of that. Absolutely. And, and their friends too, right? Yes, absolutely. Or yes. help them recognize if they have a friend that has a more negative mood. So yes, I think that the kind of the takeaway from all of this, and even in the younger ages, but especially for the preteens, teens, adolescent at 12 to 17, right? Is the idea that we can help them learn their temperament style. We can help them learn what their factory settings are because we help them learn. We can help them make a plan. And the super cool thing about it is we can have them actively participate. Like they can help make that plan. They can help create um, ideas on how to manage that, that factory setting. Right. Oh, yes. I love that. They get to be involved in a different way because mm -hmm. right. They're more developed. They're not all the way there right? Their brain is no. not fully developed, but they've come really far since age four. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. and good point. Cause guess what? They actually have about 10 to maybe even 12 more years of brain development. Mm -hmm. So even if they are persistent and really great at debating you, mm. their brain still has the growth to do. Yes. Which it's can be hard, hard, right? Especially yeah. when they're slamming those doors. <laughs> yes. Well, and the thing I think about in like the preteen and the teen years that I think is unique with temperament is that kind of like future planning, right? They're thinking mm -hmm. about like picking college or am I going to go into the military or what kind of job do I want to have after I graduate? And so there's all this future lingering over this whole kind of period of development. And so 
one activity that we do, it's actually in a parenting program that's from Iowa State University Extension Outreach called Strengthening, Strengthening Families Program for Parents and Youth 10 to 14. And one of the things we do is something called Dream Maps. But it's this idea that kids get to put down on paper what they want in the future. Who do they want to be? What kinds of things would they like to achieve? Uh, you know, what's important to them in the future? And then they get to share it with their parents. And so we kind of, you know, hopefully we get the chance to do that through conversation with our teens and preteens. But it's this thing of like, you're going to be somebody and you have to start figuring out who that somebody's going to be and what job you want to have and all of this stuff. And so I do, I think about how temperament plays into that mm, and the absolutely. insight we get on how they're going to move through the world and the communication skills that we can teach them. And so that, that, that like future orientation of this stage it's just really fascinating to me that temperament is going to be a part of that. Whether you have a kid that's going to jump in or a kid like my husband who knew he wanted to work in the field he's in when he was in like second grade. Goodness. You know, that planner, that less adaptable, yes. low approach. Yes. yes. Right. Versus I changed my major four times in college. Like, <laughs> And, you know, so those just I just think that that's really fascinating to see and help them learn those skills that are relevant to their temperament. So they can make those big decisions that are coming going to come their way. Absolutely. I, I'm just sitting here giggling about my oldest because <laughs> she has, you know, she has wanted to be a zookeeper since she was little and that's what she is. And she actually is withdrawing, somewhat withdrawing and somewhat not adaptable. It's like, just <laughs> like you put that together and I'm You're like, like aha, aha. aha. I knew these things, but I hadn't put that piece together. Thank you for that. She'll giggle when I tell her. Yes. I would say that is with you talking about sensitivity. I don't remember which episode we were talking mm -hmm. to. You said something about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, like the things click as we talk through them. And I'm not kidding. The aha I've talked about with mood. I, I said it a few episodes ago, like I have a high mood and I worry that people take my silliness mm -hmm. as like not smart. Yes. Like, Mm, she's goofing around like mm -hmm. okay I'm goofing around and I know what I'm talking about like yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like the things that the more we dig into temperament I feel like the more like the like the wealth of wisdom just keeps going like we can talk about this forever and I'd still be having new aha moments it does it does can we have another a third season on temperament or do you think Mackenzie <laughs> Young and Barb will be like no mas well, no more <laughs> well apparently it's like every odd season we do oh. something that we could loop into temperament yes okay three okay, five got seven it. Hmm, we'll come our way with nine. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> uh, okay so let's talk reality right let's talk about yes. how does this look in our homes in our schools, in our life. And so one thing that we've been doing this season is we've kind of been uh, taking liberty to say, we think we know what you are surfing the internet for at 2 a.m. <laughs> when it comes to these specific ages. So when it comes to teenagers, and you're up at 2 a.m. anyway, right? Because they've missed curfew. Uh, <laughs> what is it that you are surfing the internet looking for answers on? And we thought that for teens and adolescents, preteens, this whole idea of making decisions on their own without their parents creating their own identity might be that problem that you're searching online for answers for. Yes. So we're going to talk well, about in that. the conflict. I was like, in yeah. the conflict it creates mm, absolutely. of like 
you now have this dissonance of like, okay, for a long time, I felt like we were on the same page. And now, <laughs> who are you? Different book. <laughs> no longer on the same page. Yes. And so what do we do when our kids make choices that do not align with our family values or our family expectations? How do we handle when your child kind of breaks a rule, which inevitably happens with teens because they are trying yes. to find their own way. Yes. Uh, even, even your quote unquote, well-behaved. There's going to be times they don't meet your expectations around chores, around getting home on time, around being honest about where they are, around, yes. right? There's all of these areas that as they look for more independence, you're going to run into con some conflict. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You talked a little bit about the uh, program that Iowa State has. Do you want to use that? maybe for our reality. Yes. Okay. Yes. So one of the things we talked about is from this, we call it SFP 10 to 14 for short, but yes, the strengthening families program for parents and youth that have kids 10 to 14. So uh, we talk about this idea of big problems mm -hmm. have bigger solutions or bigger penalties and small problems have smaller solutions or penalties, smaller consequences. Yes. And so as we think about like, what do we do when our child breaks curfew, uses a substance that we are not okay with, when they make a choice that we think is too risky, when all of these things, what do we do about that? How do we handle it? And the fact that there's going to be different things, right? You might have mm -hmm. that whole list of everything I said. You're like, yeah, how do I address each of them? Yes. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. And so we do, we think about like, you know, we talk about guidance and discipline, that it's about teaching our kids about appropriate behavior. We really want to teach them what we expect and what we want them to do rather than just always kind of punishing what we don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple different ways we can achieve this. But the big point of this is that it's on a scale, right? Mm -hmm. When it's a small issue, it's a small consequence. When it's a big issue, it's a big consequence. So I think, you know, the thing that comes to mind for me that you hear about is like, well, we just, so we took away their phone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, and like, there's, Parents do this for a variety of reasons, um, but that we can get to a point of having a default consequence yes. that like, no matter what happens, oh, we're going to take away your phone. And, but that we want our consequences to be logical and natural. So mm -hmm. what makes sense for this specific behavior, this specific miscommunication or dishonesty or breaking this rule, right? Exactly. The, the big equals big. And the small equals small. <laughs> yes. There's not think? just one consequence for everything. So there's not the consequence of we're taking your phone away for 30 days because you didn't unload the dishwasher. And we take your phone away for 30 days when you break curfew and refuse to tell us where you were while you were breaking curfew. Yes. Two very different um issues, right? Two mm -hmm. very different rules that have been broken. So they, you know, having the default or the same consequence actually in the child's brain, because again, remember, not fully developed They're in the child. child's, right? In the child's brain, the same consequence. Well, I might as well just do this anyway, because this is going to happen where our adult brain is saying, okay, but don't you leverage the 30 days without your phone into the equation? <laughs> no, actually they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, and so looking at, are there different things that we can have, let's say loss of privileges, perhaps yes. loss of privileges for those smaller 
misbehaviors, those smaller things that happen. And so as we look at this list of what are some privileges that they have? What are privileges? Privileges can be uh, that they can stay out till 8 p.m. without telling me where they're going, or mm -hmm. they can stay at you know these seven friends' house uh, without me checking in. Uh, yeah, or any of these places, that's okay. Yeah, a, a privilege might be that um, you know they get to have their phone past 9 p.m. for mm -hmm. the weekend or whatever, whatever those privileges are. One thing that you can do with teens is you can actually make a list of yeah. privi privileges to lose and consequences to be implemented, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I love what, what Barb Dunn Swanson told us. She said that when you have teens actually make those lists, they actually come up with some pretty harsh things. Yeah, and, and yeah sometimes so, they'll be tougher on them than you would have. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so coming up with that list ahead of, um, you know, the problem that happens is really important. And you can do that because your child in this stage is capable of it. Oh, yeah. And so I think, you know, how do we follow this when kids are little? I think it's almost easier to do this natural, logical consequence mm -hmm. of, you know, like the bigness. That's not a word. The size. Yeah, <laughs> the it's, it's a word today. It's a word, <laughs> whether it's a small issue or a big issue, you know, the consequence. And so a couple examples of things that come to mind, you know, uh, I think of, OK, you didn't do the chore. I told you this needs to happen before Wednesday night. I need you to empty the dishwasher. I need you to take out the garbage, whatever that thing may be. I need you to do it before Wednesday night. And you tell them that on Sunday, Wednesday night comes not done. Okay. I need you to do it now. Mm -hmm. Right. The loss of the privilege of you can do it whenever you get to it. Right. Before this timeline. Okay. That didn't happen. Okay. Next time I need you to do it right now. Or mm -hmm. I need you to do it tonight. Because I, yes. if I let you self-moderate, I don't know if you're going to do it. So yes. at some point tonight, you have to do this. And that might mean you have to do it before you go somewhere. Or yes. it might mean you have to do it, right? Yes, it's inconvenient for you. And then they can slowly maybe work back up to being mm -hmm. in charge with more flexibility. So again, oh. small issue, yes. small consequence. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and being able to earn it back. I love that you yeah. stuck that in there because we let's say that you do have this long consequence, you know, two weeks, three weeks, 30 days, whatever. Boy, that is for a teen, a preteen, their brain actually to have a consequence during for that a long period of time is really um, it's really difficult on their development, especially yeah. because during that time, there's a lot of shame happening in their head. Uh, it, you know, it is now two weeks after the offense and I'm still shaming myself over it. Mm -hmm. uh, it is now three weeks past the event and I am still shaming. And so are you. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying long consequences are not acceptable. They absolutely are. But are there privileges they can begin to earn back? Yes. During a long consequence. So if the consequence is a long 30 day period of something without their phone, let's say that, right? Yeah. Is there, is there a way to earn their phone back for an hour on Thursday afternoon? Is there a way to earn their phone back um, for the weekend that they are with you the whole time? And yes. so allowing those opportunities uh, to step back away from that shame of the consequence and begin mm -hmm. to grow their self-esteem as well as their de development and to show that, 
you know, like we can renegotiate in our family. Yes. We can hold firm to consequences, but we can also as a family renegro renegotiate. And we all mm -hmm. have imperfections, but we can renegotiate around consequences. Yes. Well, and I think that also gives our teens and preteens an understanding that we value their opinion and their voice, which teaches them that their voice has value in the world. Yes. Right. And so like, okay, yep, this is what we said. Okay. I'm listening that mm -hmm. you would like to have your phone this weekend. Okay. What do I do as your parent about the fact that I couldn't trust, right. Or you were dishonest right. or whatever that thing was like, and putting that back in their court mm -hmm. of, you know, that creates that problem solving, helping them process risk-taking and consequences. Um, those are all skills we can build as yes. they kind of earn it back. We show them we respect them and we're going to hold our expectation that they need to be honest mm -hmm. or on time or, yeah, I often think of the issue around curfew as well. Yes. Of, you know, that the flexibility of, okay, yep, you have to be home by this time, mm -hmm. right? And then maybe as our kids earn, right, they're consistently home, they're good communicators, they're honest, maybe they earn more flexibility. I think of a big thing, and like when I was growing up, my one of my sisters got to set her own curfew based on what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And so one night it might be, yep, I'll be home by 10. And one night it might be, okay, we were thinking about going to this late movie. Could I be home by 1230? Right. Um, but the expectation was that that came with a lot of communication. Absolutely. We're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. Yes. And then when that's broken, it's like... Nope. You got to yes. be home by 10 every night. And yes. so that flexibility is a big privilege and freedom. And mm -hmm. there's ways to use that, that other than, well, you're grounded. Yes. Um, you know, and there's times when grounding is appropriate, right? I think of a situation where I might is like, you were dishonest about this, this event, mm -hmm. what it was going to be, who's going to be there, all those things. I might not let you go to that if you were dishonest with me about it. Yes. Um, and so we're not saying there's only one way to discipline, we are talking about matching our consequences with the issue at hand when there yes. was a breach yes. of trust or expectations. So I feel like I'm belaboring it a little bit, <laughs> but I, there's, I, a, I, you know, there's it, a lot of questions about it. It's a hard thing for parents to navigate. There is. And, and the bottom line is there should not just be one default. Yeah. Yes. The, the size, the big, what did I say? Yeah. The bigness. Big, yes. The bigness. <laughs> The bigness of it should affect the consequence and how we navigate it with our kids for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we think there's one other issue in addition to this idea of like conflict and them finding themselves and their identity uh, that we want to bring in one of our other team members to kind of talk about this idea of communication mm -hmm. around expectations and yes. communication through conflict. So we do. We want to bring in our teammate, Barb, here. She's going to talk with us a little bit about another concept related to communication with our teens and preteens. What a great segue, because communication <laughs> really, you know, it's the heart of this whole uh, moving through uh, our journey into adulthood. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> parents, parents have such an enormous job launching their family members. And if they start with clear communication from the beginning, it really sets the tone for what that family expectations can look like, right? Yes. We were talking in the season of resilience, how important communication is. And then today, when we start thinking about the teen years and all the 
unpredictability of hormones, emotions, the need to belong is so mm-hmm. strong when we're a teen. We're, we want to find our place in the world. We yes. want to know who our friends are going to be. Will they like me? And now my body is changing in all of these ways. As parents, we need to communicate with our kids that, you know what? We've got you. And let's yes. talk through all of these changes together. Mm-hmm. You and belong then, with us. I love that. <laughs> absolutely. And then you yes. talked about the fact that consequences are necessary. Mm-hmm. Even as adults, there are consequences. If I, yeah. if I speed in the car <laughs> because I'm late for something mm-hmm. and then I get a ticket, that's a consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Sure is. So consequences aren't just about kids. It's about no. what happens throughout life. And if we can communicate that to our kids that, you know what? consequences are about helping us stay safe and about having a boundary and a limit so that I know where I am and where I um, can stay safe. Those are the Mm -hmm. things that we want to communicate to kids so that they know we're not trying to be harsh. Right. We're Mm -hmm. not trying to be unreasonable. We're trying to keep everybody in the family safe. Mm -hmm. And the, and the communication is around our family values. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we think about what those values look like. Like we value honesty. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's why we're asking you to not lie. When I ask you where you were, you simply tell me where you were. And then let's talk about what the next steps are. Mm -hmm. And I think you make a good point, Barb, that I was actually reading a textbook around parenting for a class that I'm taking. And we talk about as kids get older, like in this preteen teen phase, the older they are, the more important the reasons yes. become. The reasons that we have that expectation, the reason we value honesty, you know? And so those reasons become really important. And so there's this little kind of formula in mm-hmm. our Strengthening Families um, program for parents in 10 to 14, where we talk about how you, what language you can use to express those reasons, the consequences, and the expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So... That's a great strategy that a parent can use. And here's how it sounds. It sounds like this. I feel, Mm -hmm. and then you give a feeling word, like maybe grouchy, (laughs) grouchy, unhappy. I feel frustrated. frustrated. I feel disrespected. Mm, You know, I feel, and then whatever that feeling is, because, Mm -hmm. and that because might be because you spoke harshly to me. Yes. Because you did not come home by curfew. Mm-hmm. Because you stayed up with your cell phone when you knew that cell phones go off at 10 p.m. And you still mm-hmm. had your cell phone at 11 p.m. So I feel grouchy because I asked for this to be cleaned up and it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then here's the second part. I want you to... Follow Mm -hmm. the rules. I want you or I need you to make sure that your cell phone is turned off at 10 Mm o'clock. Now, here's the piece that's missing from for for the kids. Kids need to know, well, why? I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal. My friends were still texting me. (laughs) But here's here's the why. Because I know your mood. Mm -hmm. 
we're going mm -hmm. back to temperament. We're connecting yep. it. I know you're regular. We're connecting it right back to temperament. I know your adaptability. And in the morning when you are mm -hmm. still sleepy, you're less, you're less adaptable. And mm -hmm. I, and I know that'll frustrate you getting ready for school in the morning. Mm -hmm. So believe me, it's not because I don't want you to have good communication with your friends and be texting, but it's because yes. I love you and you need your sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's awesome. communicating the why, letting mm -hmm. the kids know that it's because I want you safe and I know what your temperament is mm -hmm. and I want you to be healthy and this yes. is uh, one of the ways you're going to feel good about yourself. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think that idea of like, I feel when, or I feel because mm -hmm. like, I feel grouchy because this is not picked up and I asked for it to be, I want you to pick it up now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Because, and I, I'll be honest, I feel overwhelmed when it's messy like this, mm -hmm. because it's hard for me to communicate effectively with you when you don't do what I ask, because right, whatever the reason might be, but yeah, that we're giving like that emotion word, the impact of your child's behavior, what you want them to do, you know, what specific behavior rather than, right. We talk about stop it syndrome, yeah. like knock it stop off it. or, or like, I told you mm -hmm. and like being specific about what behavior you know. is that. Yes. You knew, you knew. You knew. Uh, but yeah, I love that. That little formula as like a cheat sheet of like, I feel when mm -hmm. I want you to, because like, I want you to put that phone away because you need nine hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. It's a bummer that your friends don't. You do. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, hmm. yes. Well, thanks, Barb. It's good to just kind of chat through these challenges we know that mm -hmm. our kids go through and that we go through <laughs> as Absolutely. parents. Absolutely. Yes. So thanks for hopping in here with us today to talk about that. You are welcome. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to see Barb another day. I think so, we will. Yes. So we've covered a lot. I love this lens of like looking at temperament at the age because mm -hmm. we know those things push together of like what our kids are working on in terms of getting more independent, that our teens and preteens are having this puberty experience. Their temperament plays into that. The social friendships, all of the stuff that's happening around them. Temperament's a part of it. And it gives us that insight to kind of anticipate and to help teach the skills that they're going to need moving into adulthood. So, yeah, absolutely. I just love it. I do too. And, and the whole concept of we can teach them because of their age right now, what their factory setting is. So yes. sharing with them what that factory setting is and how it's impacting their relationships with their friends. So mm -hmm. awesome. thanks for joining us right today on the science of parenting. Uh, mm -hmm. We are grateful for all of you that already to subscribe to our podcast and for those of you that haven't had a chance to subscribe yet, make sure that you subscribe and then you can join us each week on the science of parenting. Yes, please do come along with us as we tackle the ups and downs, the ins and outs and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Lori Kothals and Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.